Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities. And all it takes is just three easy steps. Go to mercurymile.com, create your profile, add your sizes and preferences, and then you'll receive a box of goodies. Uh, Usually one, two, three weeks later, um, it is curated for all the things that you like and all the sizes fit well. I've never had anything that comes to me, even stuff that I chose to send back for maybe, you know, like a color or something like that. Everything has always fit me perfectly, which is a a testament to them. Um, And basically that's the key is that you can basically keep what you like, send back what you don't, free of charge and it's not a subscription box service you just get a box whenever you ask for one which is always a nice fit too and you can save 10 bucks if you use code rambling runner 10 at checkout so i'll save you 10 bucks on the stylus fee i can't recommend mercury mile strongly enough i'm going to be ordering a new box very soon so i have my my fall gear ready to go I didn't need any fall gear today, mind you. It was 88 degrees, 100% humidity. But two days ago, it was 60 degrees when I ran. So wide swings in weather. Uh, but cold is coming, whether we want it to or not. And you got to be prepared. So mercurymile.com. Use Rambling Runner 10 at checkout. So thank you, Mercury Mile. And thank you for today's guest, Ebony Blackwell. Ebony is a fascinating woman who has huge goals for the marathon. She wants to do 50 marathons in 50 states. So she's pretty early on in the process right now. I'm not going to give away where she is, but she is just a fascinating woman, a wonderful person to talk to. She has such a great spirit and way about her, just the way she approaches life generally and running specifically. And you'll hear about how she transitioned, uh, you know, three or four years ago to kind of a newer mindset uh, regarding her life, why she made the change, how she did it. We also hear about her military background, her background with and her current activities in uh, a uh, nonprofit program down in New Orleans called uh, Run for NOLA and all things running and parenting and trying to juggle you know, the career as well. So this is the Consonant Rambling Runner episode. It touches on, touches on all the topics that we like to hit uh, and does so with a lot of grace and wisdom coming from Ebony. So I know you'll like this episode with Ebony Blackwell. Hello, Ebony, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this with you. Not as excited as I am. I can tell you that, Ebony. <laughs> I've been really, been really looking forward to this. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. You are, as are most people who listen to this show, frankly, one busy lady. That's for sure. <laughs> you, you have a very active and full and busy in the most down moments so i really appreciate you coming on the show i'll tell you what you had one heck of an august i saw you had seven in august which is a career high so first of all i want to say congratulations second of all what are you thinking having a career high in running miles in august in new orleans man (laughs) keywords in august and in new orleans yeah, it was a crazy month. It's ridiculously hot. Um, August, July and August are some of our hottest months here. Um, it's not cooling off anytime soon. So knowing that I ran that many miles and was scheduled actually to run a couple of more, but had to scratch a couple of runs for different reasons. I was just in awe at myself and just sitting here wondering, how did I get that done in this heat? Now, do you run at a certain time of day to kind of like, in, you know, in an effort to beat the heat? Or how do you either acclimate yourself to those conditions or try to navigate your way around the hottest part of the day? Yeah, so I most definitely try and run either early, early mornings or late in the evenings. 
Um, I am working during the day, so I usually don't have time to run, nor am I crazy enough to run in the dead of heat. Um, but I also usually don't have time to get up early in the morning and run. Um, it would have to be like at 4 a.m. And I'm just not usually in the headspace to do that because then I'm getting up right after that. I got to get my daughter on the bus and get ready for work. So this summer, I've actually been leaning towards getting most of my run done, my runs done around 5, 6, 7 p.m., depending on the day and how hot it is, right when the sun's getting ready to set and it's starting to cool off a little bit. Okay, so did I catch you at the you know, after a run today, or was it off? Day? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, so did I catch you just as you finished a run? I know we're doing an oh. evening podcast right now, so did you get your run? No, today? I didn't. Today's a rest day for me, thankfully. Um, I had a really big run on Saturday. I had an 18 mile run yesterday. I did four recovery miles. Mondays are usually my rest days. Got it. So no labor for you on Labor yes, Day. Yes, resting You're for just Labor taking Day. Taking it easy. There you go. Well, that, that's the way to go. So what was the, so you put in a huge month this month in August. So we're in September now. Do you have a goal or are you kind of, are you anything you're leading towards for the fall? So right now I am getting ready for Chicago marathon the first weekend in October. So for September goals, I am really at the peak of my training right now, I'll probably have a couple more weeks of peak running and then I'll start tapering down for the Chicago Marathon. So nothing too crazy this month. I've pretty much set my base. And I probably will have a couple more 40 to 50 mile weeks ahead of me before I start tapering off for the Chicago Marathon. Now, how many marathons have you done leading up to this? Chicago will be my fourth marathon. This will be my third okay, this you... year. And you have some big goals with the marathon. Yes, I do. So I've set this ridiculously crazy or maybe not so crazy goal, depending on who you're talking to, but I've set the goal to run 50 marathons in all 50 states. Oh, that is awesome. All right. So how did this, how did this goal come about? Like what, why did it germinate in your head and when did that process? Start? Yeah. So I, I guess it started in 2016 when I was gearing up for my first marathon. Um, a lot of people in my circle um, that I run with and interact with have run a couple of marathons. And one woman in particular was just chatting with me about all of her favorite marathons and like, oh, you've got to run this one and this one's amazing. And make sure you, you know, you should try this one eventually too. Um, and I was like, I just want to run <laughs> this one marathon that's on my plate right now. And I don't know if I'm going to want to want to run any of them anymore after that. Let's just try and get through this one that I've set myself up for. And then after I did it, I was like, not after I ran that first marathon, I wasn't completely happy with my experience and the effort that I put forth. And I was wondering like, what if I was to run another marathon, which one would I run? And just in, you know, getting online and trying to research a bunch of different marathons and trying to figure out like which ones have the best experience and looking into some of those that my friends told me about. It was like, man, I, I would love to experience a bunch of these. And I would love to create a list of my own favorite marathons to pass down to people and say, man, this one is awesome. And it's awesome because of this, or this one's spectacular because the views are amazing. So it's like, and then I stumbled upon people who are running 50 half marathons or 50 marathons in every state. And I was like, wow, I would love to be a part of that group of people one day. So I was like, why not? It's time to set some big goals and stop telling myself what I can and cannot do because the marathon for so long was something like, wow, I can never do that. And then it happened. And it was like, clearly I can do this. So let's say we're going to try this and see where it goes. So what led you to having those limiting beliefs to begin with, where you thought the marathon was something that you were unable to do or something that you couldn't do? Yeah. So I guess I would say that just my relationship with running for so long was like, hmm, I don't necessarily want to run long distances. I don't like running long distances. In high school, I was on the track team, but I was a sprinter. The 400 meter um, run, the 400 meter relay, the 200 meter run, like those were my jam. Those were my runs. I could never fathom 
coach asked me once to run an 800 meter for somebody who was sick and it was the worst experience ever. And I was like, who wants to run around the track more than one time? So like running long distance. I love how they call that. I know it's right. It's like, I love how they call that middle distance. And like now I think about that, I'm like middle compared to like like two laps. It's like, that's not, that's like middle compared to like the hundred, the hundred meter dash and the, and like in the mile. But like now I look at like his middle distance. I'm like, nah, 800 meters seems like a sprint now, even though like, like you, I was like a sprinter all the way in high school. But now I just kind of laugh at it. Like that's like the shortest. I right. Now meters. I'm like, oh, and 800 meters, that's my speed workout for the day. Um, so yeah, it was like, I was only used to running shorter distance sprints in high school. Um, I was also in the military and that did not give me a good relationship with running when you're forced to do something for workout every day or as a fitness test. It was like, oh, I got it. It's something you dread. There's no love there for it. At least there wasn't for me. So once I finally did get into running to try and get past the two mile distance, which was the distance for the military and start running like this idea I gave myself that I'm going to go out and train for a 5k. And then when I, I built a base for that, it was like I was going to run a 10K. And then finally, when I ran a half marathon, I was in so much pain when it was over. I had the wrong kinds of shoes on, the wrong size shoes. My legs were stiff. So those experiences gave me this idea of like, if I'm hurting right now after running 13.1 miles, I can't imagine me even being able to take any steps after 26.2 how am I supposed to get through that if I'm struggling and hurting? But the the love and the passion for it, the actual effort being put into it hadn't developed yet. So that's where those limiting thoughts came, those self-imposed boundaries. That's so interesting because hearing that you were in the military, I would have thought as an outsider who hasn't served that that would be something that would break down that barrier. Like, all right, I've gone through some heavy duty training. I know that I put my mind to it that I could accomplish anything. So um, when, when did you decide to to enter the military and what branch did you serve? Yeah, so I joined the Louisiana Army National Guard in 2009. I served for eight years. Um, in that time, I enlisted as a Army soldier Um And then I think in 2014, I commissioned as an officer and it was definitely created and instilled in me a sense of confidence. I will tell anybody who listens that the military changed me for the better. It made me believe in myself. It did definitely make me believe that I could do anything, but it also, it really, I don't know, it gave me this not so friendly relationship with the actual working out and wanting to be physically active when you, especially when you're in training mode of being in basic training and you have a drill sergeant or commanders, a cadre, you know, yelling at you and making you do things, then you lose like this interest. I, at least I did a passion for like physical activity. When I commissioned as an officer, I had to pass a three mile test um, as part of my commissioning. And Running those three miles were <laughs> the most painful thing I had ever done. Um, in fact, as I was coming across the finish line for my three miles, I was about to vomit. And my the captain who was standing there clocking me was like, you better keep running, Blackwell. You better not throw up on me. And I just went a few more steps and then vomited. So it was like those types of experiences. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> um, it kind of affected like my love for running. And created this, while I did feel like I could do anything that I put my mind to at that moment, and I was just uber confident in myself, I didn't necessarily want to go out and run all the miles after that either. Now, do you think part of that was because the, it was something you were being mandated to do as opposed to something that you were choosing to do? Obviously, you were choosing to be in the military, but I was... But in terms of like being mandated to do this physical fitness versus now you seem to approach running with like this, like almost like this full heart and like, you know, sense of gratitude approach where it seems like it's kind of like a very different how you talk about running in those two contexts seem to be very it definitely different. is. I think that for a long time, 
you know, when you look at it like, oh, I've got to pass this test and there's that pressure there, I think it gives you a bit of anxiety um, and put on yourself and the pressure to make sure that, you know, you're staying in shape. You have to do this because you need to pass this test versus like in 2015, when I truly fell in love with long distance running, I was doing it as an escape from like everyday life and the stresses of like parenting, being a mom, working and all of that. And it became like this space of freedom. Then I developed a passion for it because it was, there wasn't anybody that was making me do it. I was going out there and doing it because it just made me feel really good inside. Got it. No, I I know a lot of people can relate to that. That's for sure. Um, So in your first marathon, you mentioned before that you weren't happy with the effort you put in in the marathon. Would you mind explaining a little bit more about that? I ran my first marathon in early 2017. It was the rock and roll marathon in new Orleans and (laughs) crazy, crazily. I only took, I trained for about eight to 10 weeks for that marathon. And I had the best intentions to start training earlier in the year. Um, I was going to start training in late October And I came down with a really bad case of E. coli, was in the hospital, in and out for like a week in the emergency room. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. Um, Just getting all these tests run and all these um, doctor's visits to these different specialists. And they they really could never figure it out. So they just really just said, we think it might have been E. coli. Um, Just really bad gastrointestinal issues. Um, I couldn't eat well. And it affected my running because my stomach wouldn't carry me through running. I wasn't able to eat enough to sustain the mileage for running. So like then November came and gone and it was actually Christmas Eve um, in December, December 24th. I finally said, I've already registered for this marathon and I don't want to back out of it. So let me get out here and see what kind of mileage I can put in, what type of base I could build. And even if I have to walk across the finish line, you know, it doesn't, it's obviously not going to be my best effort at this point, but I want to at least say that I did it. So I had about eight weeks from that day to train forward for it. And it was the most painful experience because you're taking eight weeks to build mileage that you probably should have been taking at least 18 to 20 weeks to do, especially considering it was my first marathon. I just Googled like a 12 week training plan, altered it for myself, um, was not doing any type of strength training to go along with it. I was just trying to pack on mouths so that my legs would be used to it on race day. And it was really hard to get up to those mouths. Um, so just the, the training effort that I put into it to get to it wasn't my best effort. Therefore, on race day, I also came down with a really bad case of plantar fasciitis from the training that I was all the mouths that I was putting on my body um, abruptly. And so on race day, I was in a lot of pain and it took me about five hours and 11 or 12 minutes to get across the finish line. Miles 19 through 26 were some of the most painful miles I had ever experienced running. And you finished that and said, why not do 49 more? Right. That should have been the point where I just walked away and said, uh-uh, I'm done. But part of, like we were talking about earlier, of me knowing that I'm capable of doing anything that I put my mind to. And that if I actually put a better effort into this, I can probably do better. And I wanted to see what I could do with me putting the correct amount of training and thoughtfulness into it, strength training, um, So, you know, the next crazy thing I did was sign up for the Disney World Dopey Challenge. And it was like, why not run four races in four days with a marathon on the end of that? And I feel like that was kind of crazy coming off of the experience that I had with the Rock and Roll Marathon here in New Orleans as well. But yeah, that's what I did. The Dopey Challenge is crazy, no matter what experiences (laughs) you've had in life. Um, just for the people who aren't aware, the Dopey Challenge is a four-day string. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Everybody is 5K, the next day 10K, then the next day a half marathon, and it finished up on the fourth day with the marathon. One of my good buddies um, has done this, 
and it never ceases to amaze me how how people do this because not only do they do it but almost everyone who goes down there it seems like to me it's not only four races in four days but it's like also a family vacation yeah which is like tire which is tiring in and of itself exactly it's a ridiculously crazy experience but i was like i can check off florida by doing this um i was also able to be a charity runner for the national down syndrome society which was an organization near to my daughter's heart um because of friends that she was interacting with at school so we were able to raise over $3,000 for that organization. But then on top of that, it was like, okay, we've done all this to get here. Um, Now, are we going to do this family vacation since we're here? And I talked to my daughter about it, who's been to Disney a couple of times. And she was like, I don't feel like standing in the lines at Disney. So I don't care if we go to any of the parks or not. So we skipped the family vacation part and just did the races, slept, races eight slept again did it all over repeat four times yeah i don't know how people actually do because a lot of the people that i knew that were there were doing the okay we're going to tackle this park this day and this park that day and they were standing in lines and walking all over the parks and running all of the mouths so kudos to those people but i actually caught the flu the week of the race and couldn't have done any of that if i wanted to anyways so, so you were at this point two for two with sicknesses <laughs> combined yes. with marathons and two for two. The, I got to Florida, I think on Tuesday afternoon, I spent all of Wednesday in like urgent care. I had a sinus infection with flu like symptoms and I was dosed up on antibiotics, bed rest. And he was like, you can run these races if you want to just take your medicine, get a lot of sleep and drink a lot of fluids. He's like, because I feel like if I tell you not to run them, you're probably going to run them anyways. So, yeah, it was marathon number two, sick again. And but I was trained and ready this time. I had busted my butt all summer, fall and early winter. So I was ready for these and there was no way that I was going to back down from them. And how did the how did the marathon work? The marathon was great. It was it was a little rough because of the fact that. I had three days worth of races on my legs. I tried to be smart about how I tackled the 5K, 10K, and half marathon. Um, I ended up PRing my original marathon by about 30-something minutes. I finished in like four hours and 44 minutes maybe um, with for the marathon. And I was really, really pleased with that considering how many miles I had ran the previous few days and the fact that I was sick. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, my goodness, that that, that is a, a pretty crazy situation. Uh, never mind the fact that you guys have to wake up so darn early for these races oh. because you're running through the yeah. parks. So they have to get everyone shuttled through before they can yes, open. The, the, I was getting up at about 2.45, getting on the shuttles around 3.30. The, each race starts at 5.30, I believe. There's this huge fireworks show for each start. So there's several corrals because there's several thousands of people out there. So there's a fireworks start for each corral that they send off so they can have their own magical start. So it's a really long morning building up to the actual gun to go. That's crazy. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, do an ad for our good friends over at Mercury Mile. Now, in addition to all the good stuff that they have in there, all the good apparel and so forth. Now you can get free samples for a limited time, limited time of you can. So you can is a, like a recovery uh, drink. So basically what you do is you just at, you, you go online, mercurymile.com, use code rambling runner 10 at checkout. So you'll get your box of all the stuff that fits you. And in addition, you'll get, you can samples in there and you can try that out. I know in the past, I've also gotten samples of, um, I don't know about you, Ebony, but this has been an issue at our house for us runners is that you get like the like the super like athlete version of um, of like a, of stuff for your washer. It's like detergent. Yes. So it's like the, the, the super duper stuff. So that's that, that comes in handy, too, especially here in the summer when the running clothes get a little bit more stanky than normal. So anyway, oh, yes. MercuryMile.com. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, you, you know, just like I'm, it's humid here in Rhode Island because we're right on the water. Same thing for you guys down. Oh, definitely. So it's like, you can't just thinking about running this time of year makes me start sweating. Um, so go to mercurymile.com, get a new box. You're going to get some free stuff in there as well. And you'll save 10 bucks by using code rambling runner 10 at checkout. Um, all right. So you have done four marathons. You're about to hit Chicago. What other marathons do you have on the list that you definitely want to get done? Yeah. Or do you have the whole list no. done? Do you have all 50 I don't have out? all 50 figured out. I honestly, I want, so I have this idea of wanting to run, I guess like your non-traditional marathons. I don't want to run like all of the rock and roll just because they're like very popular, but I definitely want to run maybe some smaller ones that have really great crowd support. I just came off of in May running the Cincinnati flying pig marathon, which was by far my favorite one so far, even though Cincinnati is crazy hilly and new Orleans is ridiculously flat. So I, that was another challenge in itself. But I, yeah, so when it comes to future marathons, I am taking suggestions from like my friends and family. I am asking my followers on Instagram. So if any of your listeners have some great suggestions for some really good marathons that I should consider, I am all ears and taking notes on those. Um, One that I've been thinking about is like the Virginia Beach Marathon, maybe the Shamrock Marathon. Um, I have not picked out which one will be my next one. There's a couple in Mississippi that I'm looking at. I was thinking maybe it's time to do a couple close to home. Traveling can be extremely expensive going to all of these. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should knock out a couple where I can just hop in my car and make a weekend of it because they're right here next to home. So I'm thinking about maybe some of those for the winter or spring. But I have not solidified. I really am right now trying to put my focus on getting through Chicago. I I have some goals for Chicago of what I want to hit. So I'm trying to think of Chicago as let's focus on this. Let's not get ahead of ourselves and think about what's next. And then we can adjust off of Chicago if we hit that goal or not, deciding on what type of marathon we should run next. All right, so let's hear them. Are you, are you really are you willing to tell us what the goals are? Or do you like to keep those a little bit, little bit closer? No, no, to the no. Best? I don't mind. I've already shared it with like my Instagram world, and I tell my friends. Um, I think it's really good to share goals because it, then you have a community of people that can help hold you accountable, um, can help support you. You'll have some of those that probably throw shots at you, but I feel like for the most part, I've had a lot of support and a lot of people cheering me on, telling me and encouraging me towards my goals. So. For Chicago, I am trying to hone in on running a sub four marathon. I feel like it is finally in my grasp. I feel like I finally have established an understanding of the marathon. I've established a good baseline of mileage. I've put a lot of effort this training cycle into being intentional about speed workouts and really taking advantage of those easy days and rest days, um, incorporating my cross training and strength training into that. So I am, my big goal for Chicago is to run a sub four. I will be really happy if I can run anything below a three hour and 59 minute marathon. Um, I love it. I love it. And you said before you actually went into um, when you're talking about your goals, potential goals coming up, you said, we, we have goals. So who's the, we? <laughs> so I think of myself, you know, of this community that I run with, um, but so I am running the Chicago marathon with a really good friend of mine. Her name is Lorraine. She's also my strength trainer. Um, so we have this amazing bond and running and we're running the Chicago marathon together. I don't think her goal is to necessarily run a sub four marathon. Her goal is more so to be there and support and cheer me on. But I think when I'm saying we, I'm I'm thinking about like her and the support that she's done for me and the fact that she's going to be there. I have a lot of friends and family that are also coming to the marathon. Um, But yeah, so she's running that marathon and then she's turning around and running the New York marathon a month later. So I think I'm tackling that, that we as her and I are going out there to tackle Chicago together. And you have a coach as well. Yes. 
God, is that, is that Melissa yes, Becker? Yes, she is, is coach? my um, coach. This is the first time I've used a coach for marathon training. I honestly have been like a Googler in the past or reading a bunch of books, which I feel like a lot of people do and is perfectly okay. But from that, I wanted to try and work with a coach this time to see if where my head has been with my training has been on the right track and am I doing the right things. She's given me a lot of great guidance, um, incorporating speed workouts into my training. Whereas before I was just going out and just running random mouths and saying, Oh, this day I'll run a little bit faster when I really wasn't honing in on doing any type of specific speed training with like time goals and things like that in mind. Got it. Yeah, it, it definitely does help, especially when you have a situation where you're you know, learning from somebody who's done it before. And, and anyone who isn't familiar with Melissa, she was actually a guest on this podcast back in January. Oh, awesome. And that was a very popular show with a lot of people that a lot of people liked. And she had a very similar, sounds like a very similar, pro, pro, um, excuse me, progression in terms of her times where she was, you know, you know, I think now is maybe two hours faster than she was when she started marathoning um just like five or six years ago definitely and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to work with her i follow was following her for a while on instagram i loved her story i loved that she was a woman i love that she's you know she is a woman and that she's a mother so it was like i feel like she can definitely understand what i'm going through day to day and the things that i have on my plate Um, and then she like dominated the Boston marathon this year. So it was like, I really want to reach out to this woman and see if she wants to work with me. And it's been really good. She's been very encouraging. We had a chat the other day and she told me that, uh, I was nervous about whether or not I was going to run this sub four in Chicago because it's so hot here and it's really hard to hit those paces that you need to hit in this heat and humidity. And she was like, Ebony, you were right on your, your paces. You're killing these speed workouts. She was very encouraging about the fact that she did not see a reason why I should not go to Chicago and run a sub four. So it's been really awesome working with her. It's true, man. These summer workouts can really play mind games with you um, in terms of trying to make, try to hit like the, the, the proper steps on the way to an ultimate goal, especially, you know, and everybody's different, but I feel like everyone has the parts of training that they do better than others, right? So, like, for me, like, I'm much better on the track than I am as a tempo runner. I'm just going to assume that you're the same way as a former high school sprinter. So, maybe you're better on the track than you are, like, hey, five-mile tempo today, and you need to hit, you know, eight-minute mile pace or whatever. So, which which workouts for you have been, you know, have come a little bit easier than others? Yeah, I would agree. I think the track workouts, surprisingly, have been amazing for me this cycle when I wasn't expecting them to be because I haven't been on the track like that in decades it feels like now and when I have been running I haven't been putting intentional efforts into like doing 400 meter repeats or anything like that so I was worried about that but the track workouts have actually been spot on I've been able to hit in I don't try and go below the the paces that she sends me, but I've been able to like knock those out of the water and adjust off of that. And I just wasn't able, wasn't expecting it to be such a good workout on the track. But I realized when I got there, like that's where I felt at home at. And then I, I know it's because of my past workouts and my past history in high school of being a track athlete. So yeah, most definitely it's much easier and welcoming. I can wrap my mind around, okay, I need to get around this track one time. Or this is two more laps around the track. I can I can do this. Even when I'm out doing those long tempo runs, when I break my mouths down, I'm like, okay, two laps around the track, three more laps around the track. And that's how I try and get myself through my mileage, even when I'm trying to do those longer tempo runs. Yeah, no, I hear I hear what you're saying. I have the exact same um, issues with like with my tempo runs versus track workouts, and it's it's frustrating. But it's also like I, I say it's frustrating, but it's so easy to approach it the exact opposite mm-hmm. way and be like, "Hey, like this is so great. I'm so good at the track." But I feel like it's so easy to like focus on the negative and be like, "Oh, those darn tempo workouts! Yeah. Like, what a bummer!" But <laughs> but like, I feel like you approach you approach not only running, but it comes across the approach life in a very optimistic way, but not like in a Magoo sense of the word. 
not like all right everything's rainbows and like <laughs> the power of positivity nothing's ever bad you know that sort of thing but at the same time it seems like you approach life with a certain joy that is very contagious and the reason i bring that up because i want to read something that you put on your blog uh which is very interesting it's uh living in the breeze.com so in the enjoy life section you wrote in the last few years I've been in the mental space of not wanting to spend my life working just to, you know, working just to live paycheck to paycheck, accumulating possessions that I think I'm supposed to have because society says so, and keeping up with the latest social trends. Instead, I want to live mindfully, accomplishing all the things that truly make me happy and simultaneously raise my daughter to do the same. And then you kind of go into that for us, that translates into running races and doing adventures together, we live a busy life but it's also amazing. And then you talk about your, the various things that you do uh, professionally and philanthropically. So what was the shift in you that brought about that realization that you wanted to live? Um, you've used the word intentionally a lot in this episode. So to live in a very, in a very intentional manner towards the lifestyle that you envisioned for yourself. Yeah. So I think the shift came in late 2015. I think it coincided with my picking back up running and trying to find ways to find like clear mental headspace and be happier. Um, Around that time, I started meditating more. I also started seeing a therapist because everybody should have somebody to talk to. Um, I was struggling with things like with the military. Was I happy with my job? Um, So I started sitting down and meditating and trying to find just like quiet spaces in time. Um, And I found this shift of like when I am, for when I feel like you attract energy that you send out into the universe, as cliche as that sounds, but I found that when I was like, had this type of mindset and I tried to pursue life with this type of intentionalness, that things just flowed better. Life just felt better. Um, When you have this mindset that I'm not going to, I'm going to try and not get upset because I'm not perfect and things do upset me and everything's not all sunshine and roses all the time. But if I'm going to try and not let things that I cannot control upset me, I'm going to try and see the good in people and the good in the things in the world. So when I started trying to do more of that and spend time in that headspace, I just overall started feeling better about myself, better about the things that I was doing, um, volunteering with this local nonprofit called Youth Run NOLA that I actually work for full time now. Um, But when I started volunteering for them and like putting my energy into somebody else, other people, other people's kids um, into the community, I just started really feeling better. So then I realized I needed to stop doing the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing and start doing more of the things that just genuinely made me happy. Um, I needed to stop like waiting around for certain dates to happen, or I'm going to go do this when I find a friend who wants to go do it for me. And I started doing more of, well, I'm going to plan this hike or this walk through the park this weekend, and I'm just going to do it. And when people ask me what I'm doing this weekend, I'm going to let them know. And if they want to come with me, they want to come with me if they don't. And then I started doing more of the things by making those plans. I was able to do more things that made me genuinely happy and stop doing things for other people or because that's what I thought you were supposed to be doing, if that makes sense. Oh, it most certainly makes sense. And when you started that process of being more mindful and introspective, what were some of the the things that maybe before would set you off, um, you know, kind of set your emotions going negatively that you realized, all right, I I can handle this better now. I'm not, you know, not so negative in my reactions. I know like, for instance, for me, if I'm stressed or undersleeped or, you know, a variety of other things, I know the one thing that is always the obvious tip off point is that like I get more, negative with my kids than I probably need mm-hmm. to be. If like something happens or they do something, it's like, all right, that obviously is annoying, but I don't have to react like that. You know, I can approach this better. Like for you, what would be an example of that, that you were able to overcome? Yeah. I think making sure that I guarded myself 
from the energy other people were putting out into the like the atmosphere just because like other people's negativity and other people's bad moods and things like that would just set me off or if somebody was just being rude or obnoxious things like that would would, in the past would have probably made me like snap and want to like tell them about themselves or like just get irritated with myself by myself because of the things that were going on or the interactions I was having with other people. And now like something to happen and I'll be like, I'll tell a friend of mine, like, Oh, that's not even worth our time or energy. We're not doing that. Like for example, my daughter's school bus has been having the craziest issues where. <laughs> yes, it has. I've been following this on Instagram stories. This is crazy. Yeah. Stuff. Like the school bus just hasn't been coming some mornings. It told us to be out there at six forty, and it just wasn't showing up. And then I decided to go out there really early one day and realized that it had started coming at 628 with no, these very specific numbers. It's coming now at 628 with no notification to us, us parents to be out there earlier. And I was telling my friends about it and they were like, you didn't like fuss at the bus driver. And I'm like, that's not the bus driver's fault. That's the, that's the um, bus hub who should have called us. It's the bus company who should have let us know those things. And they're like, girl, I, you know, I would have called them. I would have been upset. I would have been irate. About, you know, this is my child. And I'm like, I can't control what they're doing. So why am I, I'm not going to sit here and get worked up. I told my daughter the exact same thing who's sitting at the bus stop pouting and upset. And I'm like, baby, you don't get upset about the things you can't control. Why would we sit here and expend our energy on this when we have absolutely no control over it? You shouldn't be disappointed about something that you couldn't put your energy into fixing. So mommy will call them. We'll figure it out. We'll work it out. But for now, we're just going to go. I'm going to go get dressed for the day. I'll take you to school and talk to your school people. And we'll get it all worked out. And we're going to keep on moving. But my friends were like, man, Eb, that, that meditating has made you a whole new person. <laughs> because back in the day, I feel like you would have told somebody off. And it's just like. Well, now I'm just realizing, like, there's just no need to send that type of energy out into the world because there's nothing I can do about it. So why would I walk around booted up and angry all day about something I have absolutely no control over? So what does your meditation practice look like? Yeah. So I try and sit down and it really can be a running meditation. It can be a walking meditation. I find myself meditating a lot in the kitchen these days. But my most joyful meditations are... Oh, while you're eating? While you're getting some dessert? Yeah, exactly. Is that dessert meditation? Yes, that cheesecake meditation. Yes, exactly. It's like, yeah, just like <laughs> cooking and chopping up things. I find that anytime you can just be peaceful and sit and be mindful, pay attention to like the noises that are going on around you or um, the actions that you're actually doing and be, put your mindfulness into what you're doing instead of letting your mind wander, which is what meditation is truly about to me, then that any, any type of activity that you're putting your mindfulness in can be a meditation. My favorite way to meditate though, is to go into my yoga room here at home, um, which is just a bedroom that we had nothing in. So I designated it my yoga room. (laughs) Um, and I just like to sit there in peace and quiet And maybe I'll do like a 10 minute guided meditation through one of the apps that I have on my phone, or I'll just put on some peaceful music and I'll sit there and I just walk myself through a process of relaxing and trying to clear my mind and not let it wander to all of the things that I need to do for the day or do for the week. Um, All of the tasks that I have going on at work or the things that my daughter needs done. And though those things will come up and I try and just acknowledge them and put them in like a little head bank in the back of my head and say, okay, I'll get to this, but just more so listening to my breathing, sitting there trying to be a little bit peaceful for the, um, before I start my day. So I can set some intentions of like how I want my day or week to go. Now, is this something that you actively try to share with your daughter? Or is this something that maybe is something that she can't quite get her hands around? Cause I feel like at certain, at certain ages, you know, there's only so much you can teach someone that they, that if they haven't kind of experienced the downside of like, you know, when you act out and kind of get, kind of get almost get meta about it. Cause that's really what you're doing, right? You're like, all right, I'm trying to look at this from like 40,000 feet. How am I approaching these situations and trying to act accordingly? Whereas obviously the younger you are, maybe it's not something you're going to be as familiar with. Yeah. So I actually do try and sit down. I let my daughter come in the yoga room with me whenever she wants. 
Um, we have sat down and meditate together. I've bought her a couple of books about meditating. Um, we run together every now and then as well. Um, but she, she likes to giggle a little bit and like shift. And I never fuss at her about that. Um, she'll ask questions and I try and answer them. And I think that as long as she's there and that she's trying, um, and not at being an absolute goofball, which she's never just straight up not um, at, at least try and put some effort. She can't sit for more than probably five minutes or so, but she definitely likes to come in there and try. She'll sit with her um, legs crossed. She'll close her eyes. I can hear her shifting when she's starting to get uncomfortable, but I just let her go in there, absorb it, and have you know her moment with it. All right. So tell me about Youth Run NOLA. I know you you said before, you're now a full-time employee of this organization. You start off as a volunteer. What is this and what drew you to it? Yeah. Wow. There's, I could talk to you for hours about Youth Run NOLA. Youth Run NOLA, for one, is this amazing local nonprofit here in New Orleans. Started in St. Bernard Parish out here um, by a group of school teachers, but it's an organization that our mission is to empower, um, empower and encourage active and healthy young leaders through running. So we work with youth throughout New Orleans at various public schools in the city and surrounding parishes, exposing them to the running community and different aspects of running to encourage an active, healthy lifestyle to encourage leadership, goal setting. Um, our primary objectives right now are to create youth that care about their health, goal set, and are feel connected to their community and their peers. So we do that through after-school programming primarily. We're in about 30 different schools throughout the city, and we have we interact with hundreds of kids, hundreds of volunteers and coaches. And they go through a curriculum, which I've helped develop for our program over the summer, that they interact with um, at a two to three times a week after school for an hour. It's a very thoughtful running curriculum that encourages them to build like team code and team culture. Um, they'll set goals to run their best 5Ks, 10Ks. And through running, they are able to then translate those skills they pick up to their everyday lives as well. Um, we also have a park-based programming and non-running events that the kids can participate in to pick up different skills. Um, through our park-based programming, which is one of my favorite aspects of the programming, our kids can train in parks throughout the community to run half marathon. All of the kids that participate, I think we had about 80 kids last year participate in the park programming where they train to run the rock and roll half marathon in the early spring. Oh, that's wonderful. So what has been the impact that you've seen on the kids that have gone through this program? Yeah, so I started volunteering with this programming, this program in fall of 2015. I actually was signing my daughter up for a race she had been asking me to run and I wanted to sign her up to run with them because a friend of mine told me about this amazing youth running organization and they asked me to, if I wanted to run with her. And I was like, I'm running this race anyways. I would love to run with her. So this was actually my first official 5k on the books and it was my daughter's first official 5k. And then I just, a couple months later, the next thing you know, I have this huge group of kids that now I look at as my own as well. But these kids are, you know, setting these amazing goals for themselves. Um, and they're taking the skills that they're picking up here and they're transferring them to their everyday lives where they can set, you know, life goals, academic goals. You know, they're graduating from high school and they're going on to college. Some of them are joining um, cross-country teams now at their high schools because of the running that they've been doing with Youth Ranola. I have a couple of kids that I interact with on a regular basis who have been begging for the last couple of years to be able to give the full marathon a try. And so this year we've developed a actual marathon training program for them as well. Um, it's only kids who have actually tackled a half marathon a couple of times who will now, now be able to participate in the marathon training program, but to just be able to watch them, you know, grow from running like they're a 5k to joining these cross country teams to 
um, graduating on to running the half marathon. And now there's a couple out there that actually want to run a marathon. And I'm like, wow, I, but thinking about the mindset I had when, and how intimidated I was about running a marathon and knowing that this 17 year old kid, he's ready to run one or she's ready to run one. And I personally want to do whatever I can do to help them achieve that goal. So it's like, there's some amazing aspects to the program, but my favorite one is just watching the kids grow from the interactions that they have with the curriculum and the people. Our programming is based on pretty much everybody who interacts with our program is a volunteer. Um, We only have four full-time staff members, including myself. So all of our coaches are volunteers. We do a running buddy system where we pair all of our kids who run with us on race day up with a running buddy to run with them who's an adult in the community. So they're also networking and building these relationships and learning about the running community and gaining access to places that some may not necessarily be able to access due to whatever barriers that they may face in their everyday life. So it's just a really awesome program and with a lot of impact for our kids. And you mentioned in the beginning that you really spent time focusing on a team code, which is an interesting concept for running because it can be such an individualized sport. Definitely. So, but one of our values at Youth Run NOLA is community. So really putting a focus on allowing them to build different types of communities, whether that's a team community or a park community and what that looks for, for them, looks like for them. Because one thing that is really important is just building this support network around the kids as well, Um, whether that be a peer network for them or mentor relationships for them. So being able to have ownership in those spaces and create a culture around that is what that team code is like building out on that sense of community. Now, how has this program affected the kids who maybe aren't quite as athletically inclined? Maybe the kids who don't have the athletic-based self-confidence that maybe some more gifted younger athletes would have. Yeah. So Youth Ranola is open access, which is one of the things. We're non-competitive. We don't talk to the kids about, you know, definitely, if you think you can go out and win this race, put your heart into it. (laughs) If you want to go out and try and win it, I am 100% behind you. We have a couple of kids that are amazing runners. And every time they walk into a 5K, I look at them and I'm like, you go get this race because it's yours. But then there's, you know, I'd say 90 something percent of our kids who are just there to have fun. So other values of our organization, a big one is joy. So for us, it's just about having a safe space somewhere that you can be that is building you up, encouraging you to try new things. Um, My daughter is not athletically inclined, but she has bless her heart, but she's been running with Youth Ranola now since 2015. And she puts absolutely no effort into like completely running a race. She just loves being there because of the people that she gets to interact with. She loves post-race festivities, but you know, my daughter Charm, she will, she'll skip through a race. She'll jog a little bit. She'll walk and point out some things to me while we're running. Um, And then there's some races where she'll run it completely through. But our, I guess one of our models would kind of be like, just come out here and live your best life, run your best race and tackle it exactly however that looks like for you that day and just enjoy it. We want our kids to just have a place that they can be, that they can enjoy it while learning new things. So how athletic they are really doesn't matter to us. It's more so about just exposing them to new experiences. Well, that sounds wonderful. You certainly are a great advocate for this organization because I want to get involved and I live nowhere (laughs) near New Orleans. So um, so thank you for sharing that. It does sound wonderful. It sounds like you and uh, your colleagues are really doing uh, tremendous things. Thank you. So with that said, I'm going to kind of dive into the last bit of questions I have on every episode before I do that. Thank you so much for all the time. I really appreciate no, it. Thank you. I really appreciate, you know, you asking all of these questions and letting me share my experiences and joys and sometimes not so many joys with running. 
yeah, I, I've definitely experienced both of those. That's for sure. Um, all right. So when you're out on a run, are you wearing headphones or no headphones? It depends. Um, I find myself more and more accidentally walking out of the house without headphones. I ran my last marathon without headphones and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be to run 26.2. I just was nervous before the Cincinnati flying pig marathon. I thought I had everything with me. And when I got in my Uber to go to the race, I realized I did not have my headphones. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be a really interesting 26 miles. But ever since then, I find myself like, Oh, if I don't have them today, that's okay. Sometimes I use that to try and really pay attention to my surroundings and think about things. But I usually, I try to, especially on those longer runs, bring my headphones so that I can listen to music or a podcast to help get me through it. There you go. So that's the second part. What do you listen to? What, what podcast and what music? So I've had taken this fascination lately with the um, My Favorite Murder podcast. Um, it's Ooh. a true crime comedy podcast. And um, it's it's quite interesting. It's two women in their they're telling about their favorite murders. They go over different like unsolved and solved crimes that have happened all over the world. And um, they try and make it as light as possible as you can talk about things like murder and different types of crimes, but it's definitely interesting, although maybe making me a bit paranoid on some of my nighttime runs, but it's a definitely interesting comical slash um, serious podcast. So if you haven't heard of it, my favorite murder, you could give it a look. No, I, it's funny how you mentioned it, how like it, it made affected some of your nighttime yes. runs in the dark, because that happens to me all the time. Not necessarily with podcasts, but if I watch a movie that has a little bit of a horror or like suspenseful or mysterious element to yes. it about the dark. And then like, I always run in the dark and like, it affects me every time. Like I didn't go on the bike path the other day yeah. and just stayed on the main roads. So I'm like, Oh, I'm just sitting near the streetlights this morning. Like, it's like so random. Like it's like, you know, something could happen on the street too. You know what I mean? Like it was completely illogical. In right. Terms of, like what I just decided was safe and what was not safe. But in the moment it was just like gut feeling, but I know it wasn't really like one of those gut feelings like, oh, my instinct is always right. It was just like completely a byproduct of some crazy show. I'd on Definitely. I was running Saturday morning. I started running at 5 a.m. So it was still going to be dark for another hour and a half. And I was just like, I'm going to take all of my lights with me. And I'm going to not listen to the murder podcast until the sun comes up because I don't want to be out here too paranoid. And then I was thinking about, oh, they always say in the podcast, it's, it's your neighbors, the people who you're least expecting. And I'm, I'm running by myself as well that morning. So it was like, oh, my God, what if something happens to me? Because it's somebody I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it's so funny because like, they always say that like it's the people or like you're, you're more likely to get in a car accident three miles away from your right. house. And it's like, yes, but that's where I drive 99% of the time. Right. So, yeah, like, it's like, yes, it's most likely to be your neighbors. Like, yeah, but those are the people who see you the most, too. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like it's, it's an interesting stat. And so you dive into it and you're like, well, I guess that makes sense. Like, how many people, I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, like those are you who know you. And like, you know, you drive, you're most likely a car accident in the places that you drive. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I'm going completely off topic there. All right. So what is some advice that, um, that you give others, but that you have trouble following? Hmm. So I, I, maybe the comparison trap, I talk about this a lot on my blog and like all my social media. And I tell my friends, it's not to get caught in the comparison trap of like looking at social media and what everybody's, you know, how they're displaying their life in that square space or, um, you know, this person's running this many miles and you're doing, you know, maybe less than that. And you're like, man, maybe I didn't do enough. Or maybe I should be doing more, or maybe I should try the way they're doing it. So it, um, and that can be about running. It can be about everyday life. Sometimes I feel that way about parenting, and I'm looking at people and I'm thinking, oh man, they're doing that with their kids. Am I not doing enough? Or their kids getting straight A's, and my kid's a solid C student and really happy about it. Am I failing at something? Um, so I, 
I tell people all the time not to get caught in the comparison trap, but it's definitely easy to do and something that I have to be mindful and intentional about not doing myself. Yeah, I think that affects a lot of people. And, you know, it's, it's not like only social media that, you know, this has been going on for millennia, but in the age of social media, there's just more people to compare yourself to. Yes, definitely. As opposed to just like comparing yourself to the five people you see every day. Now it's like comparing yourself to 500 different exactly. people that you see every exactly. day. Exactly. Um, all right. So what's one, so if you could run only one more race the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? I would go back and run the Cincinnati Flying Pig every single you complained. year. <laughs> you complained so much after that race. I am surprised. You did this whole Instagram story on the hills that had me dying laughing after that Man, race. Man, the hills were torture. And I, 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 you know, I've only run three, four, four marathons. This will be my... Um, third marathon this year with the Chicago marathon. But so I've run four marathons total, but the, the support that I saw in Cincinnati at that marathon in comparison to even my own hometown of new Orleans um, in comparison to, you know, Disney world. And you're thinking this is going to be the most magical race ever. Disney's my least favorite, but that's a story that will probably make a lot of people not like me because everybody likes Disney. But um, yeah, Cincinnati, you have crowd support through all 26.2 miles. The spectators in Cincinnati, the towns that you ran through were amazing. Um, people, I high-fived so many kids on that course. I went into that knowing I wasn't trying to race it. I wasn't trying to PR, even though I, I did PR it even on the hills. I went into that one with the mindset of, I really just want to enjoy this. So I was thinking about my youth run NOLA kids and all the half marathons that I've run with them. And I was thinking, you know, I just really want to go out here. And I'm, every time I see a kid, I'm going to high, try and high five that kid on the course. And well, there were a lot of kids just on the course handing out cookies. They hand out bacon. Um, they were handing out Ooh. licorice and um, the jellyfish things. But, I mean, they, the the spectators were there and they were there through all 26.2 miles. That's not even something you see in new Orleans. The first half of the new Orleans rock and roll is amazing. The second half can be kind of lonely because the crowd support dwindles off and you feel like you're just out there by yourself. Um, running through Disney, it's a lot of parking lot, but Cincinnati was amazing. And even though the Hills were incredibly hard, I do like a good challenge and I would love to go back and run Cincinnati a couple more times to see if I could try and get better and better in tackling those hills. <laughs> but you're right. I complained. <laughs> I did. Those hills. Every time I see a big hill now, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't I'm going to walk up this hill because Cincinnati, it left me with some trauma. There you go. Actually, I did a podcast last night with a woman who was talking about Chicago mm -hmm. and she says that. And she was saying that there's a hill near the end that if you just ran it on a normal run, you wouldn't think anything of it. But because it's the end of the marathon, it like it feels like it grows in stature by like 10 times. Oh, man, I'm not looking forward to that so, then. FYI, <laughs> FYI, just going to throw that one out there just so you're prepared. But she said it because she's like, if you look at a map, you would never be like, oh, man, that's a killer. Yeah. But then it's like all right, mile 25 or whatever it is. She's like, it certainly feels that Definitely. way. That's for sure. I went into, I looked at the maps for Cincinnati and I went in prepared that, okay, this is a hill. But then their description is, oh, gently rolling hills for the second half. And I was like, you guys lied. These are not gently rolling hills. <laughs> they just keep coming and coming and they won't stop coming. But it's done now and it's in the books and I would I would go back and run it year after year if that was the only race if it, if it was just the races that I have experienced but now it'd be the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon there you go all right other end of the spectrum what's the bucket list race for you bucket list I don't want to be cliche and say Boston um, but Boston is actually what spurred this it, it helped spur my desire to want to do better. I had friends that had qualified for the Boston before I even knew like what qualifying for the Boston marathon looked like. So when we looked up the qualifying times and I was like, Holy cow, how am I supposed to qualify by running that time? And I just ran a five hour and 11 minute marathon. 
so right now that that is a bucket list item for me um to say that so I would love to challenge myself and see that if I could get down to qualifying times. Um, but I also do not think my feelings would be hurt if I never ran Boston. Um, but I, I would like to set that challenge up for myself and see if I can hit the bar. All right. Last one. Who is your dream running partner? My dream running partner. Hmm. That's a really good question. Ah, let's see. Um, I guess you're asking like somebody famous or somebody that I've. It doesn't. You, know, you can take it any direction you want. I've had people say they're, you know, they've been like, all right, my three-year-old son, when he gets older yeah. to like one person said Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> okay. You can go in a lot of different directions. That's great. Because I was just thinking. I she tells me no all the time, but I would love to see my daughter run a half marathon with Heath Ronola one day. I would love that when she's much older, if her and I could run one of my marathons together. Um, that would really make my day if she joined me on one of the marathons that one of my fifty that I'm trying to tackle. Um, my daughter has a love hate relationship with running. She mostly just does it because. She, like I said before, with Youth Ranola, she likes to go out and hang out with the people and the crowd. She gets energy off of other people and things like that. Um, when I ask her if she ever wants to run, we've run 5Ks together and 10Ks together. But I would love to be able to run a marathon distance with my daughter one day and share that moment together. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ebony. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here and sharing my story with your listeners. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Ebony, for coming on the show. I had such a good time recording this episode. And thank you, Mercury Mile, for sponsoring the show. Go to mercurymile.com to get your box of running goodies, and you will be glad that you did. You'll get some good apparel. You'll get Generation You Can as well, as I mentioned in the mid-roll ad, which is always good stuff. And you never know what you're going to get in one of these boxes. That's kind of the fun part about it is the spontaneity. So um, also, if you want to check out more from Ebony, you can go to livinginthebreeze.com is her blog. I'll also have the Instagram handles for her and for Run for Nola um, in the show notes. Thank you so much, Ebony. This was just so wonderful. And thank you, the listeners, for sticking around. I really appreciate it. Thank you for continuing to share the show. Uh, it definitely makes a difference. The listenership continues to expand. And it's nice to see that people like the show. That's for sure. So... With that being said, thank you for everything and happy running.